When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Steel Town Sleepers. My name is Tony Squares. I'm joined by the Prince of Player Props himself, Mr. Mr. Chris Dell, excited with this post-Thanksgiving buzz to attack the fantasy football slate and talk about the Steelers post-Matt Canada and how that affects him from a fantasy football perspective. We are, of course, brought to you by the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. We are on the at PG Sports Now YouTube channel, part of the North Shore Drive podcast family, and we come here every week, almost every week, telling you what to do with your fantasy team, who to start, who to sit, who you should be grabbing on the waiver wire, because we're making the final push for the playoffs right now, Dell. This is it. This is crunch time. Trade deadlines are probably passed in most of your leagues, so now it's all about who do you got, who do you got available to, you and how do you start these players to catapult you into the playoffs and if you're already there how do you secure some guys that you know are going to have a juicy playoff schedule for the big game so we can win some money back in these leagues you've been fighting for all season long but before we get to all of that let's talk about pittsburgh post thanksgiving the holidays are here Dell, and we got a christmas present early how are you feeling now that matt canada is gone I'm feeling good. I'm feeling just like Steelers fans are feeling right now. From a, I'm I'm doing it from a fantasy perspective. I think Steelers fans are rejoicing just to have the have some more renewed sense of pride in the jerseys they're throwing over their backs every weekend. But I mean, you know, I, I think the sense of enthusiasm has continued since we heard the news last Tuesday morning, a couple of days before Thanksgiving, to now almost ten days later, and we've had one full game under our belts in, in the Canada-less Steelers offense and. What we saw is is kind of what people expected. It, it's really you see the offense opening up, and yes, it was against a, I guess at this point in the season a subpar Cincinnati Bengals defense. But yeah, a couple of things I wanted as well. Yeah, a couple of things I wanted to focus in on in terms of well, talking about not just we're going to get into this weekend's Cardinals matchup, but want to talk about rest of season implications because as you said, the fantasy football regular season is coming to a close. I've yep. been writing a lot about strategies and different. Uh, you know, trade techniques, waiver wire techniques, also looking ahead. Uh, it's really focusing in on fantasy playoff schedules for those who are either fighting for a playoff spot or getting ready to get into a playoff spot in the first or second round. So want to focus in a, a lot about that on this show. But in terms of the Steelers, I, I think it's really just easier said than done. It's, it's, it's wheels up. You know, what exactly does that mean for every member of the Pittsburgh Steelers offense? I think it means that Jalen Warren and Najee Harris can both be started with confidence. They both had the equal amount of touches, almost 50 uh, 50 split in terms of overall snaps. In week can I 13. stop you right there with what you just said? Because I agree with it completely. Yeah. But the fact that this week, we're what, three months, four, three and a half months after the start of the NFL season. Imagine three and a half months ago telling yourself that you would say both Najee Harris and Jalen Warren are startable fantasy yeah. running backs. You would have been like, oh, that doesn't make any sense, but it's true. It's true, and it's actually been something that's been true for the last couple of weeks. It's not just brand new. I think what we can say now is that we're confident in starting both, but they actually both have been viable top 20 backs for almost yeah. the last month. Last month, A big reason for that is we talked about it when they decided to finally start Broderick Jones at right tackle. The run game has seen tremendous a tremendous boost since, and we had a couple of good articles up at post-gazette.com looking at Najee Harris quietly having – the best season of his career. He's uh, yep. leading the league in terms of explosive runs of 10 to 15 yards while Najee Another Harris is also leading the league. crazy statistic. And, and, and you look at his his build, and one of the questions I think it was Paul Zeiss, our columnist, talked about is, is Najee Harris going to have a, a mid to late season Derrick Henry type of breakout in his career given his size and overall explosiveness? And at this point, you, you want to give him credit, right? And, and I think that, again, at this point, if I had to have one, I would rather have still Jalen Warren because of his pass catching upside, his big play explosiveness, not just the 10 to 20 yard runs, but the ability to house a play 75 yards to the house. But Pat Fryermuth, I think, is the big revelation here because we saw that you know, the route tree expanded for Kenny Pickett in terms of where he's throwing the football, but it didn't yeah. just go in terms of like, oh, we're not just going to run George Pickens down the sidelines on these go routes. We're not just going to force feed Deontay Johnson 20 targets a game at the line of scrimmage. It's like, 
hey, can Pen- can Kenny Pickett actually throw the ball in the middle of the field, Tony? And we saw, yes, he can, and he, and he can do it with confidence, and he did it with confidence to Pat Fryermuth. And to me, that's vaulted Pat Fryermuth up into the top six, top seven overall fantasy tight ends for the rest of the season. You're only looking at guys like George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, TJ Hawkinson. Uh, he's right in the level of, you know, the Mark Andrews, the, the Taysom Hills, the Jake Ferguson's, and you can argue that he's even – higher above those guys, kind of borderline top five at this point. So we talked about waiting to buy him uh, because because that the first came back was against the Cleveland Browns and he was shut down as we talked about. But obviously if you did buy him after that game or around that time, you're definitely, you've definitely been rewarded in a big way, especially with Mark Andrews being ruled out of that top yep. five for the rest of the season. So again, wheels up for the running backs and the tight end. I think Kenny Pickett in the right matchup is a viable streamer. But unfortunately, the one area where we had confidence before and we don't have confidence now is the wide receivers. I, I don't know if it's just a short-term blip on the Raider. Your boy, your boy George Pickens, my boy Deontay Johnson, they just can't. Uh, seem he's to not my boy anymore. He's uh, George Pickens. I love him to death. He's not my boy anymore. He's officially been traded off of my fantasy team in my home league. So he he did his part. He pulled his weight. It's over now, George. You've led me to greener pastures. <laughs> what did you get for George Pickens, Tony? I want to know I got- that. George Pickens at a draft pick for DK Metcalf, making that making that playoff push, baby. And listen, I, I love George Pickens, and I, I just wish Kenny Pickett could hit him on a slant route once every 10 tries. Uh, uh, you're absolutely right about Fryamuth, though, especially on the defenses that he's been facing over the past few weeks. When teams play that cover two shell type defense, uh, Frymuth destroys the middle of the field against those teams. And this matchup in particular against Arizona, they play that cover two shell defense more than any other defense in the league. Yeah. And Pat Frymuth should again have those seam routes open in the middle. And Kenny Pickett has shown he is not afraid to whip that ball in there and Frymuth can catch it. So I'm excited to see what Frymuth does against Arizona. But let's jump in to this week's games. Let's go through position by position while we always do and give out the Steel Town sleepers because... As we said before, it is crunch time. And again, we're not going to talk about here who you should start. Well, you should start Pat Mahomes. Of course, you're starting Pat Mahomes. We're talking about this week in particular. A lot of teams are on a bye. Six teams on a bye when you need this win in order to make the playoffs, including guys like Lamar Jackson. So we're trying to find you little helpers. Maybe they're on your bench. Maybe they're on your waiver wire. Maybe you can get them in a late trade deadline. This is the time to attack. So we're going to navigate some dudes that we think you should jump on. And we're going to start at the quarterback position. Last uh, time we recorded here, we did really well. Uh, Dell gave out the sixth best uh, quarterback. I gave out the ninth best quarterback, my man Jordan Love. And I told you to buy Jordan Love at that time. If you had, you would have had him for Thanksgiving as well when he destroyed the Detroit Lions. So I'm excited to talk about quarterbacks again. I got two guys on here that I know are uh, owned in a lot of leagues, but one of them I'm I'm staying away from. But Dell, let's hear you first. What's the first quarterback we're talking about in the Steel Town Sleepers? Yeah, and I I just want to talk about real quick before I get into the quarterback position here is looking ahead, right? Like it's week 13 now. you got basically two weeks left. You either have clinched a spot already or you're fighting for a playoff spot. So if you're fighting for a playoff spot, what you want to do if your quarterback is set and you're not really sure at defense, even if you have a top-tier defense like the Dallas Cowboys, you want to be looking at the waiver wire to see what defense are available for week 14. Also for week 15, if you do happen to get into the playoffs and you don't have a first round by in week 15, I think that there's, you know, a lot of leagues in terms of like, you know, standard 10 to 12 team leagues with medium sized benches. You're going to be looking at a lot of defenses available who are under that 50% ownership threshold. And one thing specifically is, is what quarterbacks do you want to stream your defense against? I think right now you're looking at teams that are playing the Jets, uh, picking up the Falcons for this week, teams that are playing against the Patriots, they're playing against the Chargers. Those are viable streaming defense that can really give you a leg up against your opponent. So I'm looking ahead to my playoff schedules. If you've already clinched the playoff spot, Tony, I'm looking at week 15, 16, 17 already. Or if I have a buy secured already, if I'm in first place and I know I'm going to get a first round buy in week 15, I'm looking at my week 16 starting lineup. I'm looking at my week 17 starting lineup. I'm saying, where do I have holes to fill? For example, if CJ Stroud has been riding you here all the way to the playoff promised land, Looking at week 16, he plays against the Cleveland Browns. You might want to consider possibly playing a streamer in his place in the fantasy football semifinals. So look ahead. You can go on these apps, whether it's ESPN, Yahoo. You can go ahead to multiple weeks to the end of the year to see what is my starting lineup. Try to set that lineup and see where you have those holes to fill. 
then go drop, go drop your backup tight end, go drop your third string quarterback, fill those holes with looking ahead to stashing those defenses with high upside. So that's what I'm doing right now to pre- prepare, whether I've already clinched a spot, whether I'm fighting to get in the playoffs in, in my leagues overall. But mm. looking at the quarterback uh, position here, I, I think that this week it's, you know, we have a lot of teams obviously on, on by here. We don't have Lamar Jackson in this standard spot. But one quarterback that I really like a lot is is in the top 10, and I think he's catapulted himself there as well, is Kyler Murray. I mean, Kyler Murray's continuing wow. to do things with his legs. He's continuing to throw the ball. He's getting a little bit better each and every week. And now he has a matchup here. Yes, we talked about the Steelers playing well on defense, but they have been known to give up chunk plays uh, through the air as well as on the ground here. Kyler Murray, in his three games back, he's been no worse than quarterback 13 on any given week in three straight games now. He's been quarterback six two weeks ago. He was quarterback nine last week. You look at the rushing, it's continuing to be there uh, as well. He didn't run much last week against the Rams, but it was in a game where they were blown out, but he still threw for 256 yards overall. So, you know, he did get you that rushing touchdown. He's had a rushing touchdown actually in three straight games, but that's a part of his game. And I think that for someone like Kyler Murray, yes, he has a bye week coming up in week 14, but I'm going to start him and stream them confidently against the Steelers in week 13. And then you look at week 15, San Francisco, tough matchup, but it's a pass funnel defense, and then great matchups in week 16 and 17 as well. So I'm I'm starting Kyler Murray confidently, not just this week, but most likely for the rest of the fantasy playoffs as well. Well, I, I like I like that. Uh, that that's a, it's an interesting one because I do believe Pittsburgh is going to be able to score in Arizona, so Kyler should be able to play a little catch-up here, get some cheap fantasy points, but that Steelers defense is turning it on when they're supposed to. So a little bit worried about that one. I might be talking about that defense in a second, but if you're going to start Kyler, I think it's a starting him over the guy I'm about to mention because this guy, if you've drafted him, you drafted him late as your quarterback, and he has he's probably outperformed the guy you drafted before him. He has been a great quarterback for most of the year, but the past two weeks, he's kind of fallen back down to earth. He's throwing the ball to places he shouldn't. He's losing to teams that he really shouldn't listen to in these divisional games, and of course, he gets upset on Thanksgiving, and this week in particular, I think Jared Goff has another bad week, and it's not against Detroit I think Detroit's offensive line is great I think their run game is great it's all about who they're going up against and it's the New Orleans Saints uh, uh, defense that I I hate this New Orleans Saints team I hate watching this team but their defense especially against the pass still plays really well and also if you just look at the grand scheme of things New Orleans just lost a heartbreaker divisional game to Atlanta they're now behind uh, uh, behind the line here on trying to get that divisional crown they are have their backs up against the wall this is going to be a game where they go all out. They need to win this game. Detroit obviously having the short rest, got upset on Thanksgiving. They want to show up as well, but New Orleans particularly is going to be doing what they do best, and that's trying to stop the pass. In fact, the New Orleans defense is third best in the league uh, giving up passer rating. They've given up the sixth least yards to quarterbacks. And also, if you look at all the quarterbacks that they've played, only one quarterback has thrown for over 260 yards in a game against them, and that is Josh Dobbs. And the New Orleans Saints defense uh, has given up a lot of fantasy points to quarterbacks, but a lot of that has come on the ground, the rushing attack. And Jared Goff is not to have that in his game. He has to pass the ball in order to be successful as a fantasy quarterback, and I think he's not going to be able to do so this week against the Saints. I'm sitting. Jared Goff. I'm going for a bus. And the last time I told you that, uh, I said Dak Prescott was going to be a bus. He ended up being QB 17, his worst finish. Dak Prescott's an MVP candidate now, but that was the only bad week he had. So I do have a, I got a big nose and the nose for these as well. So I'm off a Jared Goff. Uh, that rhymed, Dell. I didn't even try to do that in that rhyme. Dell, who's the second quarterback you want to talk about? Yeah, it's, it's a tough one this week for quarterbacks. I'm pretty in line, whether it's, you know, love or hating guys. Uh, compared to the expert consensus rankings in the industry right now. But kind of looking at the board in the top 10, top 15 range, I'm with you on Goff. I'm one spot lower than him. You add to the fact that he's always historically been uh, a, you know, less, I guess, efficient overall on the road in his career yeah. games. I think one quarterback where I'm starting to question not just this week, although I think he's always a candidate to get there in garbage time, is for the rest of the season, Sam Howell for Washington. and. They have a tough matchup against Miami. Not much has been given credit for the new-look Dolphins defense. They actually have been playing better as of late. Yes, against elite teams, they've still been a little suspect, but this Washington offense is not really scaring me. And you look at Sam Howell overall, 
they've kind of changed the offense a little bit to where they're not necessarily letting them sling it all over the field, deep intermediate levels of the field. It's a lot of dink and dunk in terms of those high pass attempts per game. The rushing hasn't necessarily been all that great, even though you'll take as much as you can get of it. But I think that here, a home matchup against Miami, the commanders, they're going to have some trouble dealing with the cornerbacks, especially Jalen Ramsey on the outside. So I'm slightly downgrading Sam Howell for this matchup. I've got him as my QB 10, probably in that third tier overall, one spot lower than consensus, but I'd rather have Justin Herbert, Kyler Murray, Trevor Lawrence, those folks over Sam Howell this week, even though the season-long numbers support Sam Howell instead. I know he has been a revelation uh, in the fantasy world as a quarterback in that offense, especially because they're behind all the time. But I will say Sam Howell, uh, when it comes to uh, you talking about looking ahead, Sam Howell does have the second hardest playoff strength, uh, second hardest playoff strength of schedule from the quarterback position. So he's a kind of a guy that you don't want to be relying on in those games. I'm going to give you a guy, though, that I think or I know has the second easiest strength of schedule when it comes to playoff matchups and it's a guy who's ranked pretty high in the individual rankings but I think he deserves to be even higher he's also a guy that I think needs to be considered amongst the elite quarterbacks in the NFL even though people look at him and go oh yeah it's just it's just the offense it's just the play caller as Brock Purdy of the San Francisco 49ers listen this guy a deserving of MVP votes in my mind because he leads the league in in completion percentage and QB rating, passer rating, yards per attempt, yards per completion, air yards per attempt, all of these stats he is leading. And I did a video earlier this week comparing those stats to uh, MVPs of the past. And they're right in line with the numbers that Aaron Rodgers was putting up during his two MVP years, the most recently in Green Bay. Brock Purdy is slinging the rock. That's all to say, and he's playing this Philly matchup in a huge, a huge matchup. Everyone's going to be watching this game. Usually these games, when there's that much tension, that much stress, they usually are a little bit slower to go. A little bit, uh, These lines tend to hit the under a little bit, but I am all aboard. Brock Purdy in this game slinging the rock because the Philadelphia Eagles have shown the 31st most fantasy points to quarterbacks come against this Eagles defense. And they stop the run very well, the Eagles do, but they cannot stop the pass. And I think guys like Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuels calling their cornerbacks trash. I just think there's a lot of fun to be had in this game. And I want the guy slinging the rock as my play as my quarterback this week. I think Brock Purdy has a huge week, a huge week. Jalen Hurts on the other end probably matches him spot for spot, but I think Purdy's going to be slinging it, and I have all the faith in the world putting that man in my starting lineup do or die this week in fantasy. Dell, what do you think about that one? I like it. I mean, I have Purdy QB5, and it's amazing that he's gone up the ranks so high. We have a lot of quarterbacks on bye week, but he's a locked-in, top-ten quarterback at this point. You know, we we always uh, talk about who's going to lose targets when you have Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, George Kittle all healthy at the same time. And usually one of them will hurt week to week in terms of their overall production. Last week it was George Kittle, but the one person who actually benefits is Brock Purdy because he has a full arsenal of weapons, fully healthy here. And you mentioned this is one of those defenses, the Philadelphia Eagles, where you want to attack their secondary overall. They're giving up a lot of production. So, you know, this this makes opposing quarterbacks viable for streamers. Obviously, you're starting Purdy pretty much weekly now at this point regardless, but love the matchup overall uh, for the San Francisco 49ers. And I will be looking – if I need to stream quarterbacks throughout the fantasy playoffs – that is one of the defenses I'll be looking to attack with my streaming quarterbacks is against Philly. Mm-hmm. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. I love it. Do you have any other uh, quarterbacks we want to talk about? Maybe a bust of the week or is Howell considering your bust of the week? No, Howell's considering my bust. And I'm just looking, you know, again, like I'm, I'm looking ahead to some of these matchups overall. Like some of the teams that I want to attack, I just wrote a couple down here, is these pass funnel type of defenses that are good at stopping the run. Philly is one of them. The Chicago Bears have been a top five defense against the run over the last month and a half now. That's a defense where they've been giving up a ton of production through the past. So it's almost predict. It's almost too predictable that no yeah. matter what the game script's going to be, teams are going to struggle running against them. And whether it's a blowout one way or the other, they're going to have success 
through the air. Tennessee is another example of that. Uh, Indianapolis, uh, the Los Angeles Chargers, they're pretty much just bad defenses overall, but those are defenses that uh, their opposing offenses like to run a lot of plays. So if I'm looking to stream, you know, my third string wide receiver, my flex spot, my quarterback, I will be looking at those as some of the defenses that I want to target, throw Arizona into them. I think that Kenny Pickett, if you're desperate, is a viable streaming option this week as well. So those are some of the defenses I'm targeting, targeting overall Philly, Chicago, uh, Titans, Colts, Chargers, Cardinals that I want to be streaming against with my quarterbacks on a week to week basis right now. No, I'm right there with you, and I'm happy you brought that up because what you just said, targeting specific defenses and staying away from other defenses is exactly how I'm attacking the running backs we're about to be talking about. So let's jump right into the running back world, Dell. Oh, sorry, Tony. I will say Detroit. That's another uh, uh, defense I want to be streaming all positions against. Their defense has been giving up gobs of production no matter what position it is. They're getting in the shootouts left and right. So if you've got a player playing against – the Detroit Lions, and he's close in the rankings to a guy that's playing against, let's say, the Dallas Cowboys. More often than not, I'm always going to take that guy going up against Detroit in that scenario. God, it was great watching Green Bay beat the piss out of them. Dell, the first running back you want to talk about today, who what, what are we going down here? Because I, I got a handful I'm excited about here. Yeah, I got a handful as well here. Uh, I'm going to start off right at the top where ECR, uh, expert consensus rankings, has him as, as RB11. I've got him as RB6, and he's playing against your Packers since Isaiah Pacheco here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you look at the usage overall, and it's you can't really deny that Pacheco's become a workhorse back. I, I've yeah. got him in my rest of the season rankings all the way up at RB5 for the rest of the season. The only backs I have ahead of Pacheco for the rest of the year in fantasy are McCaffrey, Travis Etienne, Kyron Williams, and Tony Pollard. So I've got him right in that top tier of guys next to Alvin Kamara, Austin Eckler, DeAndre Swift, the Lions backs, et cetera. So he's a bona fide, a bona fide top 10 option. You look at the matchup overall, the Packers, that's the one area they've been beat consistently is in the run game this year. And yes, they, they did play well against Detroit, uh, the Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving, but they still are at best in the middle of the pack in terms of opposing. They do, they do give up a lot of opposing receptions and yep. targets to running backs in the past game. So I think a big upgrade for Pacheco here, if he's in that fringe kind of top 10 to 12, uh, discussion. If you're in a shorter 10 team league, I, I think he's a guaranteed kind of lock starter at running back this week. I, I, I want to talk about two guys that I think, I don't know if they're top 10, but definitely should be higher than the expert consensus rankings have them at. In fact, I've got three running backs I want to talk about. I'm going to talk about them all at once because Dell, they're all in the same game. And they're all about specifically the Steel Town Sleepers. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers-Arizona Cardinals game. And uh, last week got away from us with Thanksgiving, and I'm so mad because I did do my research. I did have a list of names that I wanted to talk about, and I was so ready to stand here and tell you that, yes, Joe Burrow went down, Jake Browning is in there, and, yes, they're going to try to feed Joe Mixon in this game to get them by, win the time of possession battle, and I was going to sell you on selling Joe Mixon and how right I was against this Pittsburgh defense. Eight carries for 16 yards, two catches for 44 yards, but we know one of those catches was a screen pass where he dodged 17 people like Frogger, and that shouldn't have been as long as it was. It was very lucky to get the points that he got in that game. And so I can tell you once again that this Pittsburgh defense stops the run with the absolute best of them now that they are fully healthy in those front seven. And I think James Conner is in for a terrible, terrible day. James Conner has had a great season as a fantasy running back when he was healthy earlier this year. It's not there the past few weeks, and I think if the struggles continue, I would not start him at all, especially if I needed a win in my fantasy league. But the two running backs I will start are the two Pittsburgh Steelers running backs. We talked about them earlier. This offense has become a lot more explosive. Teams are going to have to start uh, spreading out the defense a little bit more to cover those Pat Frymuth plays down the field. It's going to open up stuff for both Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. They both play 50% of the snaps. You can start either one of them. Expect to see them on the field at most of the time. And I think it's just been such a productive offense over the past few weeks. And in this Cardinals game, where I expect Pittsburgh to get a lead early, I expect Pittsburgh to run the ball late, and I expect Pittsburgh to control time of possession, I think Najee and Warren both get a boatload of work in this game. I'd be fine starting either one of them and sitting James Conner. Those are the three running backs I wanted to give out. I think that's a slam dunk when it comes to this game. I think they can both win you weeks, and James Conner will lose you this week. Do you agree or disagree with my take on those three? 
I, I agree with your take on the Steelers' backs. I don't know if James Conner can can lose you a week because the, the usage has been decent, but uh, they're still mixing in the other guys too much. Michael Carter and Mari DiMercato on third down. So I, I do agree that Najee and Jalen have shown the upside, especially against his defense. I mean, this, this is the ultimate primos fantasy type of running back matchup here. The Cardinals are dead last in PFF rush defense. They're, they're bottom five in ESPN's run stop win rate. So we're showing a yeah. big, big, big upgrade and advantage for the Pittsburgh Steelers on the ground, which is where they want to attack here overall. So I, I'm, I'm with you there. And I've got them firmly in my top 20, not just this week, but for the rest of the season, regardless of matchup too. So I think, I, I think I, both know. of them are top 12 starts in my opinion, because I, you mentioned the defense and I, I did want to say one thing about this Cardinals defense, according to CBS, they give up the second most fantasy points per game to the running back position. The team that's first is the Denver Broncos. And we know it's only like that because they gave up 70 in one game to, uh, to Miami there. Those numbers are kind of skewed. Arizona has been the worst defense over the past eight weeks for us running backs by far. And it's a slam dunk. Anytime you're playing them, you're playing all those running backs. Dell, do you have another running back you want to talk about? Yeah, I, I, I do. I, I want to talk about a guy that I'm actually low on. I, I believe it was two weeks ago we talked about him as well. And I, I just – the gimmick is up. I don't understand what the expert consensus rankers are doing here, putting Brees Hall all the way at RB15. It just it just makes no sense to me. Uh, you know, but Aaron Rodgers is practicing again. I mean, you know, we could have a whole other discussion on Robert Sala. It just, it's seemingly becoming like the most stubborn headed head Dead coach man walking, the Robert Sala. Why, why did he stick with Zach Wilson so long? Why is he sticking with Tim Boyle, Tim Boyle after we saw what Tim Boyle can't do on the football field last week? Just give the ball to Trevor Simeon. At this point, yeah, it's Trevor Simeon, but you can't tell me he's not the best quarterback on that roster. And if you're not if you're not trying to flip through these QBs week to week to try to save your season with Aaron Rodgers risking his career coming back so early off this Achilles injury, I mean, I, mean, I, I don't understand what the Jets are doing. And Brees Hall is going to suffer because they're facing opposing defenses in terms of the highest amount of stack boxes in the league when in terms yeah. of facing, facing the run. We know that when Brees Hall is on the field, the Jets want to run the ball with Brees Hall. And, and we know that he's explosive, but you can't be explosive when you've got 10-plus – guys stacking the box on the other side of the field point blank period now what makes matters worse here is the atlanta falcons they have the number two overall graded run defense according to pff they have a top 10 run defense in terms of espn's run stop win rate as well you look at the jets and their run blocking they're bottom eight in both of those categories on the flip side in terms of run block win rate so i i have the biggest run blocking disadvantage of the week is with the Jets going up against this Atlanta Falcons front line here. So I think it's going to be tough sledding once again for Brees Hall. And you mentioned about James Conner losing you a week. And, and while that's fair, and, and I don't want to go there yet because he's still just come a couple weeks coming back, you know, Brees Hall, where you drafted him and where you were starting him just about a month or two ago, he is losing you weeks, you know, Three out of the last four weeks, he's been RB30 or worse. And when you look at half PPR, full PPR uh, formats, it, it, get, it gets even worse at the same time. Even with nine targets and seven catches, still finishes as PPR, half PPR, RB30, just not doing anything there for you. The, 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 the tough part is, is that even if he is going to rack up those targets and receptions, this team, frankly, is not scoring touchdowns. And when you take that touchdown equity away, it just gives absolutely no upside to Priest Hall. So, at this point, if you've still got a trade deadline, if you could sell Brees Hall, I would try to do it, but you're probably not at that point where you can get anything of value in return. So for him, you know, if, if it's between Brees Hall and a guy, you know, like a let's say a Brian Robinson, a James Conner, uh, you know, in the right matchup, a Jerome Ford, I'm starting Jerome Ford every single day of the week over a Brees Hall just because that upside alone. That's where I'm at with Brees Hall right now. The only question I have about that, Jets versus Atlanta, uh, uh, what's the one thing the Jets needed right now other than a, a competent quarterback? They need hope. They need just a slimmer of hope. And what did they get this week? Aaron Rodgers practicing on the football field with them once again. And so uh, you're coming at it from a stats angle, and you're absolutely right with the way you're breaking this down. I'm coming at it from if I'm on the Jets defense in particular, the best unit on the field in that game, no matter who Atlanta puts out there, is going to be the Jets defense. And I see Aaron Rodgers being like that mf is just a few days away from being our quarterback we just need to stay above water do everything we can to stay above water and who better to play against than desmond ritter 
this awful passing offense of Atlanta. The Jets are 31st against the run. They're out there all the time. They have to stop the run. They're going to have to stop the run in this game. But if they can stop that run and force Desmond Ritter to throw them the ball, he's going to be throwing some interceptions, giving some short yardage stuff there. And yes, that New York Jets offense is terrible. But if I get a bunch of short yardage plays from my defense causing turnovers and I just need Brees Hall to knock one across the goal line, I think that's a possibility. I think this is the last stand. This is remember the Alamo week for the New York Jets. This is it. I would not bet this game. I'm scared to play anyone in this game. I do not how it comes out because on paper, Atlanta should kill them. But this is it. All they needed was hope. And this is the last hope that they got. I'd be scared. I'd be scared, Dell. That's all I want to say. I, I don't think Atlanta should kill them. I, I'm just still worried about the well, Atlanta should kill them. Atlanta's one of the best rushing off, should be one of the best rushing offense in the league. New York Jets can't stop the run at all this year. I, I think Atlanta should control the clock and kill them. Passing offense, uh, defense in Atlanta is great. Like Atlanta on paper is a much better team and matches up well, but I'm afraid that the Jets have a slimmer of hope. This just, remind, this just has like a, a you know, fifteen to nine game all field goals written all over it to me. Right. I, I just I don't I don't trust Desmond Ritter. I don't trust the Falcons offense, and I certainly don't trust the Jets offense here. So I think if the I think the Jets certainly can win with their defense, but you know, will the offense score one touchdown? I think it's a 50-50 proposition at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's move on. Unless you have another running back you want to talk about, we're moving on to the wide receiver position. I believe you're putting down Brees Hall as your bust of the week here. Yeah, he, he's my bust. One of the guys just you, you brought up the 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 matchup is is I'm actually low on Devin Singletary too. Not just mm. this week, but for the rest of the year, yeah, he popped off for those back to back hundred plus yard rushing games a few weeks back. But Damian Pierce got back into the fold, and we saw Devin Singletary's usage shrink a lot. He became kind of the de facto third down passing back. Had a team high seven targets out of the backfield. Only had six carries for 18 yards overall against the Jaguars. He was RB 28 in standard scoring that week and RB20 overall. So he's going to be kind of a middling type of flex option. He's going to be splitting the touches, splitting the snaps with Pierce. And against this Broncos defense, you, you brought up that they gave up all those points to the Miami Dolphins a couple months ago. This defense is much improved. So you can't yep. look at those season-long stats for Devin Singletary and think, oh, yep. well, this is the best matchup he's going to get all year. That's where season-long stats start to lie at this point in the season. So I, I'm relatively no, low, not just now. Like it, you know, you would we would have to have an injury to either Singletary or Pierce for me to feel really confident in terms of ranking one of these two backs in the top 20 week to week from now on. I'll also say Houston has the third hardest strength of schedule in the playoffs for running backs. So yeah, I'd be a little bit worried about the future, either Damian Pierce or Devin Singletary as my running back in the fantasy playoffs. Let's move on to the wide receivers, though, Dell. A lot of, uh, again, a lot of big teams on bye weeks this week. A lot of other big teams, big names with really tough matchups. So I'm interested to see where you're going in the Steel Town Sleepers versions of wide receivers. Who's the first guy you want to talk about? Yeah, uh, there's there's two offenses I like a lot here. And one of them we talked about already with Brock Purdy. You know, Brandon Ayuk, I don't want to say him. He's already ranked in the top 10. But I'm, gonna, I'm just as equally high on Debo Samuel. I've got him as my wide receiver. 11 on the week. I also think in a similar type of matchup, because we talked about that one already, that Philly's a pass funnel type of defense here. Yeah. The Denver Broncos, similarly, like th this is a team where their offense has been improved. And while they're not just like a cakewalk matchup for the run, you still can have production against them. And I really like what Nico Collins has done since he came back a few weeks back to here. And I trust CJ Stroud to not just feed Tank Dell, but to also feed Nico Collins. So we've seen now for Nico Collins over the last two weeks, 14 catches uh, on 20 targets for 169 yards overall and a touchdown. So he has the profile of being this team's number one wideout, that X type of receiver on the boundary. And while he, it might be him and Tank Dell overall kind of splitting those targets, that's totally fine with me. You know, Nico Collins was the half PPR wide receiver six against Jacksonville in week 12 in that loss. I think it's a very similar type of situation here where we have a healthy 47 and a half point game total in this matchup to where I'm expecting both offenses to show up here and put up some points. And I think that Collins and Dell could both put in top 10 receiver performances in the same week. That's how good I think Stroud is and this offense is overall here. So I don't think it's just like, Hey, start everyone against the Broncos. But when you have talent to this level as what the Texans passing game does, they're locked in top 10 options for me, both tank Dell and Nico Collins this week. 
see i i tend to disagree with you on that one uh uh, i love i mean you guys know i love cj stroud and i love this houston offense i just traded for nico collins at my trade deadline very excited to have him for the rest of the playoffs here but the thing that worries me about this matchup in particular is cj stroud is so good at not only throwing the ball but also seeing what the defense is giving him and going through his progressions and the denver broncos defense has stepped up in part because pat Sertain has sort of come back to the top of these shutdown corners and i think if you put certain on nico collins whereas tank dell is more in the middle of the field i think cj is going to look at nico he's covered all right going to tank i just think it's going to be constant 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 i do think the target share is going to heavily favor tank dell in this matchup and i'm kind of afraid nico's kind of going to be lost in the sauce here as certain who is a, still a very good corner very young corner matches up well physically against the bigger nico collins I, i'm a little bit worried nico is going to be shut out completely in this game so i don't know if i would slam dunk a start on him i'm 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 Excited that you have him there because I'm forced to play him this week in my in my fantasy league. But I I, I disagree with you there. What, and there's a guy. Well, go for it. Yeah. What one thing you want to just just note here is when you kind of sometimes might not you, but just anyone, myself included, can make assumptions based off what we think certain guys' roles are. Tank Dell is not the slot receiver for the Texans. Last week it was Robert Woods who led the team with 16 slot routes. Dalton Schultz was second with 12. Uh, Tank Dell ran 11 routes out of the slot. Nico Collins ran eight. So they were very similar in terms of mm-hmm. their slot route rate. So this is an offense that's being creative with their playmakers. They're not just lining these guys up in one position. And when you talk about someone like Sertan, yes, traditional football, he's going to line up with that X receiver. But both Dell and Collins ran an equal amount of 31 routes out wide last week. Tank Dell. He's still listed with that questionable tag. He's listed with a cap injury right now. So I'm hoping he's going to be a full go for the sake of my own fantasy teams here. But just keep that in mind is that they're using these guys in creative ways to where they're not going to get locked up just with that traditional shadow matchup, which is why I'm trying to keep them as close in the rankings as possible, even though it's Dell who's been the clear fantasy superstar while Nico Collins was out last month. Speaking of mixing things up and running certain offenses for or certain plays for certain players, there's no one in the NFL better at doing that than Sean McVay and these Los Angeles Rams. And it's a big matchup that they have, especially when it comes to playoff pushes uh, in the NFL standings. Then they have this week against the Cleveland Browns. And I am very worried, even though this man gets almost 20 percent of the plays specifically called to get the target to him. I'm a little bit worried that my baby, my baby boy, my little boy that I, that I held in my arms from birth and ca- I, I I raised him to be the man he is today. I'm one of the only men in America to draft Puka Nakua, and I am not starting him this week against this Cleveland Browns team. They have been so good. The Browns defense has been so good at shutting down the pass, but also the past few weeks. Puka has been used in so many ways by Sean McVay, but it has not produced big fantasy numbers because defense now know Cup is not Cooper Cup right now. There is something off with him. They do not need to put the entire defensive focus on Cooper Cup. They can attack Matthew Stafford behind this really bad offensive line. And if they put some type of coverage on Puka, he can't break double coverage. He can break singles. He can, be, he can be open in the middle of the field when it's one-on-one with a cornerback, but when you don't have to worry about Cooper Cup and you don't have to worry about this offensive line, all you got to do is stop that awesome run offense and make sure Pukunaku is covered. He really has been shut out the past few games. And uh, uh, the defensive coordinator for Cleveland is a fantastic, fantastic yeah. defensive mastermind. And I just think Pukunakua is completely taken out of this game. And it stings for me to say it. It stings for me to say it because I love the man. But I'm sitting Puka. And again, yeah. if you were in a do-or-die matchup right now, you know you're looking at your lineup and going, oh, Puka start. Like, it's not even a question yeah. in your mind. Puka start. He started every week for me. He's the reason I have as many wins as I do. But I'm just telling you, take a second look, and I would sit Puka this week. Dell, am I wrong for saying that? No, I've actually got – I mean, I've got Puka – like, I sub- when I submit my weekly fantasy rankings, fantasy pros will say got see guys that I'm like – 20 spots higher or lower, they'd be like, are you sure you didn't make a mistake here? And they did that with Puka Nakua. I've got him ranked as wide receiver 34 this week, eight, 18 spots below consensus. That's a huge gap. I don't know if I'm going to shorten that up, but I've got the Steelers receivers ahead of him because you look at what – George Puka, Pickens? I've got Pickens and Deontay Johnson at, because of the matchup. The Arizona yeah, matchup yeah. is just so fruitful for yeah. fantasy wide receivers. And 
talk about the route tree for the Rams. Cooper Cup is running 85% of his routes out of the slot last week, 29 slot routes, just 12 slot routes for Puka. So even though he's getting in there every now and again, it's predominantly Cooper Cup in this offense doing that, which means that 20 uh, routes out wide for Puka. So he will see a decent amount of Denzel Ward in this game. And I think that the fact that the Browns offense can't really keep up, we're not confident in the fact that they can keep up, right? Whether it's PJ Walker, Joe Flacco, Dorian Thompson, Robinson, we've seen Sean McVay willingly lean on little Kyron Williams, whether it's, you know, through the air out of the backfield, just running off tackle through the tackles, whatever it is, how much will LA try to push the issue through the air here? That's what kind of worries me a little bit. So I'm, I'm struggling even to put Cooper Cup too too high, really, in my rankings. I've got Cooper Cup right now, I think, at wide receiver 25, which is four spots below consensus. So, you know, you, so, me, so hold on. You have Cooper uh, Cooper Cup rated above Puka in this matchup. Okay. Yeah, uh, because, that's... like, look, I mean, we, you can say all you want about what Puka's done this year, but he hasn't done it in a few weeks. And, and you yeah. can't just look at a one-year sample either. You want to at least try to blend in some historical data that we have that – Cooper Cup's been a fantasy goat, you know, for better or worse words. You know, over the last couple of years, we know what he can do with Stafford in this offense here. So I've got Puka ranked considerably lower. I don't want to – and a lot's been said about Puka is that, you know, like you said, defenses know about him now, right? So, like, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Hasn't, he hasn't been put through the gauntlet in college in terms of the competition that he saw, the amount of games he played per year – He's kind of hitting that rookie wall. We've seen that happen with other receivers throughout the past. So that's what worries me about Puka is that he was a later round pick for a reason. And I think just based off his overall savviness and football IQ, he's exceeded expectations. But what happens when the rest of the league catches up? Not saying his career is over, right? I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying that maybe he might never be the wide receiver we saw in the first month or two of the season. That's what I'm saying right now. How dare you? I will say this game in particular uh, with what Cleveland wants to do offensively and with what Sean McVay, how he's going to attack this Cleveland uh, defense. I think there could be like six total possessions each half where this all these teams are just going to try to get three yards in a cloud of dust to keep the ball, keep time of possession, keep their defense off the field, slowly matriculate down the field and get a field goal when you can get points when you can. It's just not a lot of big plays in this game by either side. So I'd be a little bit worried about uh, uh, even opportunity and number of plays in this game. But yeah, sitting Puka. The, bi- the biggest pass biggest pass rush mismatch of the week is the Browns front four o- over the Rams offensive line. Browns are number three in PF- PFF pass rush grade, number four in ESPN's pass rush win rate. The Rams are bottom 10 in both those categories. So how much time I, will Stafford I, even have to find Puka when he drops back in this game? I honestly, unless Cleveland for some reason puts up some big score early and the Rams fall behind, I'd be very surprised if Stafford has more than 20 attempts in this game. I'm gen- yeah. That's the genuine number for me. Uh, Dell, you gave out Debo you really like. You really talked about Nico that you really like. Give me another wide receiver that we want to focus on, whether it's a bust of the week candidate or whether it's another guy you want to you want people to start. I want to keep my eye on the Texans situation uh, because if Noah Brown does play, I think that he might be locked in the three receiver sets in this offense. And if it's just over, Dell, over Bobby Nico trees Collins and Noah Brown, yes, over Bobby trees, whoever else are going to rotate in there. Uh, I think that Noah Brown, what, what he did earlier in the season, yes, albeit certain guys were hurt, but the last time we saw him, you know, he had 320 plus yards in, in back to back games. It's, it's not a fluke, right? At least that much. So I think that Noah Brown is talented and he adds another dimension to this offense. We've already seen uh, the target volume go down for Dalton Schultz over the last few weeks, even with Brown out of the lineup. So we, I, I think that, yes, maybe not every single week, but in most weeks with Stroud, with this offense, the way they're running plays, maybe three receivers can get there in the top 20. And I would throw Noah Brown into that list. I've got a. If you're looking for that high upside, I'd rather start Noah Brown over both Rams receivers this week. That's where I'm at. Yikes. Uh, let's talk about a wide receiver. I'll, I'll end our little wide receiver segment here with a guy that I, a team I really don't like talking about. And Dell, you gave a, a quarterback earlier and sold Sam Howell. You said Sam Howell is not going to have a big week. I'm telling people to start Jahan Dotson. I just think he has a better finish than what the expert consensus rankings has because of the team that they're playing in the game script that we're going to be against. I think Terry McLaurin is going to have a very 
a difficult day against the 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 way that this defense is going to scheme and try to take Terry out of the game. I don't believe the Curtis Samuel numbers from last week were the 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 what's going to continue. I think that was more of a fluke game than anything. And I just think the consistency of what Dotson gets target share wise, I do think uh, Howell is going to be able to connect with him in a game that they're going to be down twenty points early, and they're going to need to get the pass to keep going to try and win this game. Miami got a huge hit, probably the worst injury of the week last week to their star uh, defensive lineman, their main uh, defensive line pressure guy. And now it's going to be harder for them to sack the quarterback, even though Sam Howell's offensive line is trash. Howell should have a little bit more time when he's dropping back to pass. I just think it opens it up for Dotson. And if you need a flex guy, if you need a guy, you're really out of options here. I do think Dotson gets some huge garbage time points for you. So I just wanted to uh, lay that out as the final wide receiver I'm giving out today as I sadly sit Puka. But let's move on to the world of the tight end, Dell. We each give out one tight end here. Who's the one tight end you want to circle? Because now it's getting down to like the nitty-gritty, man. You, 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 you really have to win at the quarterback and the tight end position if you want to win these final weeks here, especially with all these buys on here. So it's very pivotal what tight end you choose. So who are you going with? Yeah, um, I mean, I'll, I, do you want me to take the obvious here, Pat Fryermuth? Because I think I it's mean, a slam dunk. I, th- I think at this point he- he's listed as the ECR tight end ten on the week. I think that's just too that's, low. I've got him. It's at ridiculous. Got him at tight end seven, and I think that you can make a case for bumping him all the way up to tight end five, uh, which would be moving him over Evan Ingram and Taysom Hill. The only reason I have Taysom Hill ranked so high is because they essentially have no wide receiver core in New Orleans right now. So I'm expecting a full run- uh, complement of routes for both Juwan Johnson and Taysom Hill. That was going to be my second one I mentioned was Juwan Johnson, but Pat Fryermuth overall, he doesn't need injuries right now to be uh, to be productive in this offense here. We saw them open up the middle of the field, and that meant throwing it to Pat Fryermuth. We've seen him produce in, in, in years past. This is nothing new for Pat Fryermuth. And the one thing he didn't do last week, which you've seen him do on, on, on multiple accounts in the past as well, is to be a clear-cut red zone threat for Kenny Pickett. With his size, with his overall savviness and his route-running abilities, 11 targets, 9 catches, 120 yards, didn't score a touchdown. So I think the touchdowns, will come. He scored two touchdowns earlier in the season, even though the volume at the time was very, very low. And I don't know what the deal was with Matt Cannon and not trying to throw to the middle. It's one of those like Zoolander can turn left type of things, but that's what it was. And we're seeing it now that when they do throw to the middle of the field, when Kenny Pickett does look there, Fryermuth is going to be a locked in option. And he has those talented receivers taking taking the attention away on the outside of Deontay and George Pickett. So give me Pat Fryermuth locked in top five at worst top seven tight end this week. The only reason I didn't have him is because I gave out the two running backs. I didn't want to go full yeah. Pittsburgh with my uh, people here, but I'm right there with you with Frymuth. I mean, looking at the grand slate of the NFL right now, I think you can say that now that Justin Jefferson will be coming back for the Vikings, there's two offenses in the league where the tight end is the most dangerous pass catcher. It's Kansas City and it's Pittsburgh. Mark Andrews is hurt. And uh, uh, Justin Jefferson is coming back. He's the most dangerous pass catcher in Minnesota. I can't name you another team where the tight end is the most dangerous pass catcher other than Kansas City with Kelsey and Pittsburgh with Frymuth. Not saying Frymuth is on the level of Kelsey and Hawkinson, but just the way the script is run, I think Frymuth is a must start. And the guy I'm giving out, you need a little bit of faith and you need to pay attention to the uh, uh, the beat reporters and what the injury news is coming out of this team because there are certain ways this goes that I that I like and there are certain ways this goes that I don't like. But the Los Angeles Rams give up the fourth most points to opposing tight ends this season. In the last two weeks, this was with uh, uh, the now concussed uh, uh, DTR for Cleveland, but David Njoku has just soared in targets. And I just think Njoku has a really nice chance to, if there's any t- hope to have a passing offense in Cleveland, I think it goes through David Njoku, and I would be starting him and just 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 hoping, just cross my fingers and hoping if you're stuck and you have guys like Isaiah Likely on a bye or whatever, and you're just forced to pick up a dude off the waiver wire if he's still there, I do think David Njoku has a good week this week. That's the last tight end I want to give out. But, Dell, it's time for the defense of the week. Yeah, you know, I, I, I talked about it a little bit at the top here. I, I really like the Atlanta Falcons. If they have, if they happen to have been picked up, picked up and they're not available and you're still looking for someone on the waiver wires, I think that – the Los Angeles Chargers are more than viable defense here. I know I've talked about them a lot. Certain weeks they've come through, certain weeks they haven't. But this week, maybe more than yes. any, it's... is how much I like them going up against Bailey Zappi 
and the New England Patriots here. So, yeah. and, and I think similarly goes to Tampa Bay. I, I really like Tampa Bay against Bryce Young and the Panthers. Uh, Jacksonville going up against Jake Browning. Like, so these are the quarter. This can be a weekly theme for us here. These are the quarterbacks that I want to be starting uh, against my with my fantasy DST in the playoffs. Is Tim Boyle, Bailey Zapier, Mac Jones, Bryce Young, Jake Browning, uh, Desmond Ritter. Obviously, the Jets are a high owned defense, but whoever's playing the Falcons in the future, whoever's playing Justin Fields and the Bears, he likes to take take a lot of sacks as well. Even Will Levis to this point in the season is another quarterback mm. I'm going to look to stream against on a week-to-week basis. The New York Giants, a big-time one, looking at to see if the Rams are available because they have, I believe, it's either week 16 or 17 at home against the New York Giants. Aaron Donald against Tommy DeVito. Uh, yeah, you might have the Saints. You might you might have the Cowboys. I they might have been taking you this far. Uh, I, I'd strongly consider starting the Rams over the Cowboys if the matchup is right. That's how fantasy DSTs goes on a week-to-week basis. So for now, again, Falcons and Chargers and Bucks. I really like them this week, but that's my strategy going forward the rest of the season. I'm looking to attack below-average quarterback play in the NFL, which we've seen a lot of. And then what about – I'm putting you down for Atlanta, by the way. You named you named half of the offenses in the NFL, so I'm uh, – defense in the NFL. So I'm just putting you down for the first one. That's Atlanta. Who's the kicker, kicker, winner, winner, kicker, dinner? Yeah, so – this is a tough one, but I'm going to go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I, I still trust the offense here to put up points and move the ball with Baker Mayfield. So Chase McLaughlin, uh, former Colts kicker, has had some decent weeks this year. I've got him as my kicker number 12, two spots ahead of ECR. Uh, overall, you know, he's had a couple boom-bust weeks this year. He was the kicker number two back in week nine. Been kind of middling since then, but has had tougher matchups against San Francisco Indianapolis, Tennessee, I think against the Panthers here, divisional tight type of game, you're going to see some extra field goal attempts compared to normal. Not a big kicking week I like outside of the top 10. Uh, the whole Texan situation that, you know, I, I would I would have said Matt Amendola. They were, they were bringing in other uh, kickers because he can't kick a field goal over 50 yards. It cost, so, him, it cost him a game. Yeah, it might have cost like, him the division, Dell. Let's just use that as a caveat here, right? You can use McLaughlin as my pick, but if you're looking for a late late weekend type of kicker, check to see who the Texans sign and start because he's going to be valuable in a game with a 47.5 point total there. Yeah, yeah, and that is it for this week of the Steel Town Sleep is the post-Thanksgiving edition. We will be here with you for the rest of the regular season in your fantasy world and also the rest of the postseason in your fantasy world, trying to help you win week after week after week as me and Del both go for our individual crowns in our own fantasy leagues. And we might have a Pittsburgh Post-Gazette fantasy league that I'm somehow still alive in, even though the trade deadline closed and I didn't know about it. I'm now left with seven people on a buy and I can't make any moves whatsoever. But I'm trying Dell. it's all that matters is i'm trying this is it for the steel town sleepers thanks for having us Dell. this is a fun one as you can see i try i'm coughing a lung over here i traded my left lung to get travis kelsey at the trade deadline in our post gazette fantasy league so i'm excited yeah, i want to ask about that i got an email <laughs> i got an email that there was a trade i'm like oh that might be smart let me make a trade and then suddenly it was over did you close the trade deadline right after your trade went through how'd that work out the Ridiculous. trade went through about 30 minutes before the deadline that's all i gotta say ridiculous ridiculous (laughs) that's what i get for not being in the office but hey we'll see you next week all right take it easy